This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs is in his 41st year as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. I wanted to tell you what a great service you provide to this community. I listen to your show every week. Thank you for what you do for our community, for all the parents, coaches, and athletes. And now, here's your host, rated one of the best therapists in Kansas City, Missouri, by OnlineTherapy.com, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hello, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and welcome to our show here from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810. WHB in Kansas City, I'm here every week getting involved with you in the world of sports psychology. We talk about mindsets, attitudes, sportsmanship, how you build or destroy confidence in kids. What's winning mean? What does losing mean? How do you get mentally prepared to play? What do you do with your mindset when you're in a competition? Talk about the role parents have, the role coaches have, the role administrators have, officials, kids. I've been on the air here for over 30 years, the last 20 here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. Our shows are podcasted all over. You can go to my website, winnersunlimited.com, to listen to them as well. You know, I do this show every week talking about sports psychology. And, you know, I started 41 years ago in this profession in 1981. And when I started, people were saying, oh, come on, that's just a bunch of bunk. In fact, I interviewed at four local colleges to see if I could work with their athletes, even agreed to do it for free. And one of the athletic directors, and I'll forget this, the guy had a cape on when he interviewed me. And he said, we don't believe in hocus pocus and witchcraft. Sorry, we're not interested. Well, now sports psychology is a hot topic. Mental training is a hot topic. You hear it almost all the time. The importance of mental health, the importance of mindsets in sports is talked about all over the place. Because it is. As I always like to say, you can have two athletes who are physically the same, but the one with the stronger mind will be the one who will come out on top. So what does that mean to have a stronger mind? It means a lot of things. It means taking the time to get prepared mentally. You know, phys- we physically stretch out, but do you mentally stretch up before you play? And how do you get to the point where you're able to succeed in sports? And where are we today with the world of sports? You know, sports is changing so much. And one of the things that's been going on that I've been concerned about is youth sports forcing kids, encouraging kids to play sports at younger and younger ages in competitive leagues with the importance of winning. In our book, Just Let Him Play, that I co-author with Pete Malone and Jeff Montgomery, we talk about winning shouldn't even, in our opinion, be, be important until you're in middle school, about 13 or 14 years of age. Why? Because youth sports should be fun. It should be about learning skills, learning development, getting better. So I asked it. An individual I've met several times who's been on the show before to join me today. His name is Brad Sweeten. He's sitting here in the studio with us today. Brad's an educator. He's a former athletic director at a high school. He understands the world of sports, and I wanted Brad to join me this morning. Brad, thanks for coming in. I appreciate you being here. 
morning, Doctor. Thank you for having me. You know, last week a story came out where a youth softball game in Mississippi, 12-year-old game, an umpire was attacked by a mom. A female umpire was attacked by a mom. She was being yelled at during the game. She went to the coach, told the coach she had, she, they had to calm this lady down. She didn't calm down. She eventually got kicked out of the game. And then after the game, she had physically attacked this, the umpire. There's pictures all over the Internet. She's got a nice black eye. And the mom who attacked her was wearing mom of the year, a Mom of the Year T-shirt. Well, that lady's going to be on. The umpire's going to be on in two weeks with me. And we're going to talk about what happened. But why are these things going on, Brad? I mean, it's supposed to be fun, right? Uh, that's the idea of um, middle school, high school sports is to have fun. Um, it's not always about winning and losing. I think um, if we look back in history, great winners have lost at some point, too, and maybe have learned how to do that. Well, the third chapter in our book is called Embracing Failure Can Lead to Fun because you're going to screw up and you're going to fail. I had a guy call me last last year, and we won't repeat what he said, but challenged me and said I was teaching kids how to be, I'll use the word, weak. Uh, that wasn't the word he described. But um, why is this happening? I mean, what's the deal? Well, I think um, some parents, um, even some coaches, put the um, emphasis on winning so much that uh, they think they're gonna kids are going to get – college money kids are going to become pro athletes and it's not always the way it works Uh, many of those kids in high school are just looking for friends many of them are just looking to have fun and i think playing a sport in its true form of having fun uh, will get you farther in the long run as we're uh, getting ready to start the show this morning you shared with me a former student of yours student athlete just got drafted the th- you said the third round by the uh, by the Buccaneers. Buccaneers yes, sir. yesterday. Tell us a little bit about him. How did he get get to that point? Well, that kid um, wasn't the most talented high school player. He wasn't even recruited out of high school to go to college, and he ended up at Kearney, Nebraska. Only only opportunity he had to play football. He played up there a year, transferred to a junior college in California. Um, worked, had his nose down, worked hard, and he was able to end up at Arizona State, uh, their feature running back. And last night, uh, or the night before, I can't remember, but he ended up in a third-round draft choice of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What's his name? Rashad White. Well, congratulations to him, and congratulations to you for whatever interaction you had with him, because I'm sure it was very positive, as I've known you over the years. And so, so there, there is a success story where he overcame adversity, dealt with some things, wasn't the top dog, but his dedication, his commitment level got him there. So when we look at youth sports today, I've talked about it on this show a lot, and I want to get your perspective. Are we starting kids too young in organized sports in terms of playing games and leagues and tournaments? Is that, do you think we're starting them way at too young of an age? I don't know about too young of an age for sports. Um, I love to see little kids running around in a big group on the soccer field um, or playing t-ball, something like that. But it's 
um, the emphasis placed on winning has uh, pretty much gotten out of hand. When you see um, an eight or ten year old youth team traveling around the country to play baseball games, uh, let's let's keep that in our not so much in our neighborhood, but let's keep that in our back backyards and have them learn to win and lose at home. I know there are a lot of people that will challenge us on that. Okay. They, oh, it's great for development. you got to learn. Now, there, there are reasons, and we're going to go our first break here in, in a minute to, to get back into this, but there are reasons why a lot of teams from small towns will travel because they don't have any competition. I mean, we're in, we're in, in Kansas City and a little bit west of here in central Kansas in a small town. They may have to travel somewhere. But what I want to get into as we come back from this first break is the role parents have and where we're, you know, what's what's a good role model as a parent for kids in youth sports? I want to talk about that and get your thoughts on that. You've dealt with parents. You've dealt with kids. You've dealt with coaches. You've dealt with the whole thing. What's a healthy perspective? What's an unhealthy perspective? Because I think the whole winning aspect has gotten blown out of proportion at too young of an age, and the fun aspect has gone away for a lot of people. And I see that with the clients I have in my office. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest today is Brad Sweeten. We're talking about the role of youth sports. We're on the Leader in Sports, Sports Radio, 810 WHB. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every week to talk about the mental side of sports, along with my producer, Blake Schneiders. We do this show each week, hoping to help you out with psychology and sports, talking about that. My guest today is Brad Sweeten. He's been a coach, an athletic director, a parent, a grandparent. He understands youth sports, and I wanted Brad to come on with us today. You know, Brad, what? And, and if you'd love to join us, we'd love to hear from you. Our phone number here is 913 if you have a comment about youth sports, where you feel it is today, and what's good or bad about it, I'd love to hear from you. If you're a coach, a parent, an athlete, get your perspectives. Brad, you've you've been at all these levels. What do you feel the role of a parent should be when it comes to, to youth sports and high school sports? Because you've had to you've had to discipline people in the past. Yes, sir. Uh, no doubt, um, the role of a parent at a game is to cheer positive for their kid and cheer positive for other kids when they're playing uh, not to be involved in the game not to think that their opinion is the greatest ever or, or if a bad call happens people have to understand bad calls happen and I never saw a umpire or a referee go into a game thinking I'm going to make bad calls against this team or that team or this kid or oh that. come on they do that all the time now right well uh, I've never seen that happen doctor and um <laughs> Uh, you know they're there to do the best that they can, and and you gotta you you've gotta accept bad calls. Uh, some are some are obvious. Some and I have thought in my mind before, uh, what did they make that call for? But um, oh, because they hold a grudge against. They don't like you, so they're going to yeah. come against your your school team. Yeah, um, you know, in amateur um, athletics. Um, those umpires and referees are low paid and and out there for the kids 
and to, to give them a positive experience. So the role of a parent is to cheer positively uh, for their kid and others. Okay, so I, of course, you know I agree with you 100%, but there are people that won't agree with that. And why won't they? Because you've had the disciplined parents as an athletic director, correct? Uh, yes, sir. One of the tell us tell us about that. One of the um, most ironic was a professional coach's daughter was playing volleyball at uh, at my high school. One of the volley he was the, she was one of the opponents, and this uh, professional coach was sitting in the stands, and he was all over the referees, and for me to have to go talk to him was um, kind of ironic to ask him to calm down. What happened? Um, uh, you know, there, there was a call. His team was win- Their team was winning uh, a call, and um, he thought the call went against his daughter, and um, uh, he took great offense to that with the referee. So how did you, how'd you deal with that with him, and how did he react? Uh, I went up and introduced myself. Um and uh, ask him to cheer positive for the kids. And um, did he sort of look at you with a w- weird stare for a second? Like, it was, who are you? What's it? It was because it was like, don't you know who I am? But um, I thought he was on uh, my territory. I can say to him what I needed to say. So what did he do? Uh, he calmed down. He quieted down, and um, but uh, wasn't very friendly after that. Okay, yeah, and uh, I, I assume you didn't see him again. Uh, as as he walked out the door, he kind of gave me a bad look still. So, so e- even after winning, even after a win. So the ego thing comes in, right? Well, very much. Um, uh, an ego well, p- with parents who doesn't think their kid can do wrong or doesn't think their kid made a mistake. Um, that just uh, really hits home with them but see i think a lot of this comes from the professional realm we've seen this past week several scenarios most uh, notably yankee stadium uh the the guardians almost called them the indians the guardians were playing the yankees and their outfielders were verbally a- attacked by some fans and they started pelting them with all kinds of objects which yankees players came out and you know implored them to stop and see that behavior there trickles down. If you can do it there, why not do it at a high school game? Why not do it at a youth sports game? Right? I mean, and we're seeing this. The NBA this year has had a number of scenarios where fans have got, have run onto the court, have attacked players, you know, flipped them off. Players have now flipped them off back. Um, there's this this you know. I love going to sporting events. I've been I've shared on this show. I've been going to Kansas City Chiefs games since the first game I ever played. I grew up going to Kansas City Athletics games, went to Royals games. I've worked with all these teams. I've seen it. I've heard it. Um, but, you know, people have a right at professional games to express themselves. But then the game's over. You know, the players most often shake hands and hug, and that's it. But sometimes people take it too personally. And, and it trickles down to the youth sport level. So... Do we put too much emphasis then on the results of the games instead of the emphasis on having fun and learning and growing? And do the parents and then coaches sometimes, you know, I would say a good coach checks his or her ego at the door. 
does that start to become reflected in terms of how they feel about themselves in terms of whether the team wins or loses wins or loses very much so the coaches um, the coaches attitude and how they handle themselves is the number one thing when it comes to uh, the way the athletes and may and then it goes to the way the parents and the fans handle themselves if a coach is in control on the sideline or as they walk up and down the court then I think that sets the tone that their players and fans or parents are going to be in control too. If a coach is a rainy, raging maniac on the sideline, that just gives a license for uh, others to act the same. So when you have a coach who's, quote, a raging maniac on the sideline, what did you do as an athletic director? Because I'm sure you had that several times. You had to deal with it. Uh, if it happened... If I was there and it happened during the game, I would go stand down close to the sideline. Uh, I would try to use body language to, for that coach to know that I didn't approve of that. And if it didn't get better, I would pull that coach aside right then and talk to them. Did you ever do that? I have, yes, sir. And what happened? The Can coach, you give, give us an example? Well, the coach calmed down. Uh, I have seen um, a basketball game where um, my coach – was I don't want, out of control maybe that's not a great word to use but was pretty much all over the referees and I would I went down stood on the sideline stood close and um, knew he knew then that I didn't approve of that and then after the game we had to talk about it and hopefully tried to learn from that try to make it a learning experience I talked to his players and said that's not the way we're going to do things here, and that's uh, we'll do things differently. How, how, so how do they all react from that? Um, kids took it very positively. Kids want to kids want to play and have fun, you know, and even in a very com- highly competitive game, um, kids still want don't want that conflict in their life like that. Well, when we come back from this break, I want to talk about what we need to change in the world of youth sports in terms of behaviors in terms of this whole winning atmosphere and what we can do to make it more fun. I mean, it's, it is fun, but unfortunately, the score becomes important sometimes too often for people. So from your perspective, I'm going to find out about that. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest today is Brad Sweeten. He's a coach. He's an educator, athletic director. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest today is Brad Sweeten. He's been a coach, an educator, an athletic director, a parent, a grandparent. He gets youth sports. He gets high school sports. Before we go back to Brad, I want to ask my producer, Blake Snyders, who is here all the time, does a great job with us. And Blake's a competitive guy. Okay. Do you think, because you played sports, and, and I know you still compete and do things, do you think there needs to be better training, Blake, from your perspective for parents and coaches at the youth sports level just in terms of fairness, having fun, all that, and, and, and about the behavior that they exhibit on the sidelines? You've seen all this stuff. Well, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I was lucky enough to have, you know, there was very few and far between incidents that I, I really saw growing up, but there definitely was a handful that stuck out in my mind where – 
<laughs> where the the parents are screaming at the coaches and flipping them off actually during a baseball game that was just I mean it was it was ridiculous. So I think one parents have to have a realistic understanding of how how old was it? Uh, I think we were seventh grade. So what eleven, twelve? Yeah, twelve, thirteen. Yeah. So I think one parents need to have a realistic idea of one how old your kid is and the sport that they're playing is a sport and it's overall a game. You're not going to the NFL at 12 years old. You're not going to the MLB at 12 years old. Okay, and, and I know we've talked about specialization on this. You might, you might in the MLS. MLS is one thing. Okay. There they've been some 14-year-olds they've signed. There 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 has been some young players, but that is a big that's a stretch. I mean, you got to be a prodigy of all prodigies and at that point that that parent probably I don't want to speak for everybody, but probably understands the reality in which the situation their kid is in. I think that parents one need to understand how old their kid is, why they're ultimately playing this, and evaluate it. How are you wanting this for your kid, or does your kid want this? Sometimes you just need to take a step back and let your kid be a kid, not try to, you know, get mad at every single call. Because at the end of the day, just like your kid's gonna mess up, the the human error is involved in every sport the, the umpire is going to get messed up they're probably getting paid what ten dollars to be out there eleven dollars what, to be what out is there. it brad what 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 are you yeah, young the... umpires referees get paid i would say about fifty dollars a game on the average of fifty dollars okay so i'm going per hour okay, yeah that makes I mean, 50 50 bucks per game they're 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 also not professionals now they're doing their best but and they make mistakes we all make of mistakes. course just like anybody's going to make a mistake so, okay, so let me ask, ask Brad, let me get, get your opinion on this. When there is an out-of-control parent at a game and they're asked to leave, they, you know, they, they, maybe they will leave angrily and maybe be in the parking lot upset afterwards. They've gotten out of control. Is there, is there a point where maybe you say you can't come back unless you become an official yourself? I've never done that. Um, I like that idea. Um, but I have had, they would have to have a meeting with the coach, myself, and a school, another school administrator before they could come back to a game. Because I think with some people, you know, I, I've had so many people call this show and call me who have seen verbal abuse of officials, you know, teenage officials at soccer games, basketball games, baseball games, by grown adults, cursing at them, uh, yelling at them, screaming at them, threatening them. And you wonder, okay, first, first of all, what is their child thinking when their parent's doing that? Sometimes their kids emulate the parents. Sometimes the kids are so embarrassed about their parents, they don't want to be around them. I'm sure you've seen that. Uh, yes, sir. On occasion, uh, that happens. The kid will um, sometimes go as far away as they can Why that's going on. I know when my sons played youth sports, we had a dad uh, on one of the teams who started yelling a lot at a game. And the coach, who was a former professional athlete, great guy 
went up to him and said, look, uh, you can't act like that way that way in the stands. If you continue to do that, you're going to need to go, either go out to right field and stand there by yourself, watch the game, or go to your car. So the dad went to right field, and then after the game came and apologized, not only to, to the manager, but to, to the coach, but to all the other parents, and and said, I didn't realize I was doing I think part of it's just confronting. I, most people do this and don't realize they're doing it, right? Oh, very much so. They, um, I think, you know, it starts out with just a gut reaction that something didn't go right, and then it just builds on that. I don't think that they really mean to get that escalated, but uh, then it happens. Well, that's where, it, and you know I'm a big proponent of this, I think every coach should have a preseason meeting with the parents and, and kids, talk about the rules, the guidelines for the season, but also talk about, you know, obstacles and barriers. And look, if th- this is behavior that's not going to be accepted. If you start doing this at games, this is how it's going to be dealt with. And we're going to have be very strict about that. What's your thought on that? I think a preseason meeting is a have to. Uh, one of the problems with that, though, is, you know, parents, uh, different economics and different um, parents, um, they're busy, and it's hard for them to get to a certain meeting. I think that meeting has to be offered in several different ways that people have access to it. Good point. Good point, because there are a lot of people. If there's a meeting Monday night at 7, well, I'm out of town. And I can't keep, I can't say I'm not going to play that kid or he can't make the team just because a parent can't be there. So what do we do about that? Because a lot of the times that I've heard about this type of stuff, it's from those parents that weren't at those meetings. Uh, I think that everything has to be done to put that information in a parent's hand, whether it's printed, whether it's a video, or um, you just have to try every avenue to get that information to a parent. So with youth sports as it stands today, and obviously it's a multi-billion dollar business, we're seeing organized leagues at younger and younger ages, which, which, as you and I started off talking, it's great to get kids involved in sports at young ages, start playing, learning fundamentals, having fun. The score shouldn't really matter to me till middle school, junior high. That's when, okay, here's the score, but it still shouldn't be the most important thing, should it? No, it's the experience that's the most important thing. It's the kid learning out there that that has to go to practice every day, that learns that discipline of um, this is this is what I have to do between four and five o'clock today. I've got to I've got to do this. Uh, it's the kid that um, uh, goes out there and um, maybe experiences success, maybe not scoring the touchdown, but maybe making a good block. Um, you have to put those positive experiences in kids' hands. So, from your perspective, then. What do we need to do to change youth sports now to make it better? Obviously, there's tremendous benefits with it across the board, but there's still that whole aura with it about the winning part. Where, where do we, how do we deal with that at, at, in a constructive way for youth sports? I think it starts with the uh, education of coaches and parents. I think, number one, it starts with the coaches. Um, uh, that coaches aren't emphasizing that uh, the desperation of a win to kids. I think it's uh, the coach talking about the experience the kid is getting. Um, 
when we uh, implemented positive coaching at the school I was at, uh, at my coaches meeting at the beginning of the year, I asked the coaches, what was what's the most important thing that can happen to their program? And they, I'm not going to say they all said, but they started out with, we're going to win state, or we're going to win our district, or we're going to win against our arch rival. And that's when I realized that we needed to change the culture. So how did you do that? Uh, we went in, we implemented a, a culture of positive coaching where um, the, the kid would be um, the number one emphasis, not the emphasis on winning. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest today is Brad Sweeten. He's been a coach, an educator, an athletic director. He still is an educator. And we're talking about the world of youth sports. We come back in our last segment. I want to talk about how we're going to make it the most fun it can be, what we need to do with the world of youth sports to make it fun for kids, parents, and everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm a leader in sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB. I'm here every week. And my guest today is Brad Sweeten. He's been a coach, an educator, an athletic director. He's still an educator. And as far as I'm concerned, still a coach because he works with kids. And so, Brad, um, kids play sports to learn skills, learn fundamentals, have fun, learn about winning and losing, success and failure. Parents ruin it for kids, don't they? Yes, parents parents, um, can ruin a good situation for kids by thinking that their kids being treated unfairly and um, sometimes it's um, not that situation of what they see all right of course parents can make it fun too i'm not i don't want people to sit there i'm, I'm ragging on parents because everybody's obviously got a parent who wouldn't be here and youth sports is is a wonderful realm for kids to learn about success and failure, winning and losing, how to handle adversity, how to deal with stress. But what I found throughout my career is so many coaches' egos get in the way and ruin it for kids because they've got to win, they've got to win. And then that whole confidence thing, you know, that, that, that whole issue of confidence gets affected in such a negative way. So from your perspective, what would you suggest, how would you encourage young coaches who are getting involved to build kids' confidence up? What, what would be the best way to coach them to help them from your perspective? You have to um, stress on the positives. Uh, if something goes bad in a game, a kid might make a bad play, might make an error, then the coach has to stress on something positive that happened during the game, something positive that happened during a kid's day, uh, and make that the emphasis on what your conversation's about. If a kid made an error in the field, then, you know, coach ought to go out there and spend 15 minutes hitting him a fly ball or spend... At practice. At practice, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Next day at practice, hey, we're going to work on this skill, and, you know, we're going to try to get it right. So 
positive coaching during a game basically means what? When you've got a, a child makes a mistake, young young athlete makes a mistake, they're going to be upset. They strike out or they made a throwing error, they dropped a pass or they you know, made some kind of mistake, missed a shot. How, during the game, can a coach help them get through that? What should a coach say to them? Hey, a coach can pull any kid aside and, you know, visit with them about um, keep your head up. Uh, next time, let's think about doing it like this. Um, and just with positive, encouraging words for that kid. You know, you go over there and rag some kid and uh, chew, chew their butt, uh, they're probably going to not get it right the next time, too. And then when you've got parents in the stands getting out of control, what's the coach's role there? Because you've got to be a guide, a mentor, an instructor, a psychologist, a friend, a disciplinarian, all those things. When you've got a parent yelling at the officials for whatever, and you're the coach on the sideline, what do you do there? Because then you've also got to deal with the kids about that. Uh, coach on the sideline uh, has to be able to talk to parents and try to calm them down, which is such a sad situation when the coach's 100% emphasis should be on the kids in a game. But uh, it's still that coach's responsibility to, to, to be able to deal with the parent. So in this situation down in Mississippi with the lady that attacked the umpire after the game, obviously she's got legal issues now. What do you, what, if you were involved as an administrator in that league, what would you do about her being able to come back? I mean, once she's out of jail, assuming she gets out of jail soon. That, that was such if a... If she goes to, goes to jail, we don't know that'll happen. But That situation is such a volatile situation. Um, I've never had a coach, or I'm sorry, a parent attack somebody before, but that person would be banned from coming to a game. And you would have to take steps to make sure that that didn't happen. Would you require, if they really wanted to come back, say, okay, you have to become an official first, you have to become an umpire first? That That's an interesting scenario. Um, it would be interesting to see that person put in those shoes. Well, I think when you've got some somebody goes out of control on the sidelines like that, yelling and screaming at officials, umpires, referees, whatever, to the point that they have to be kicked out, I think for you know, obviously they need to make an apology to that that official, in my opinion. Of course, most people won't, but then I think to be required to come back, if if it's something that's happened maybe twice. I would say if this happens two times, then you, you're banned from coming back here, and the only way you can come back is you have to take an officiating course and become an official. Uh, it puts the school or the team in such a bad situation because if you're going to an away game, is that parent traveling to that away game? Will the same situation be caused, the same scene be caused at that game where you have to put other schools or other teams on notice that you – you're um, involved with a crazy parent. And that is a embarrassing situation for a, a kid um, or for a team. Was there a situation when you were an athletic director where you had to bring a parent in and talk to them about their behavior? Yes, sir. Okay. 
So tell us what happened with that, and and what were the, what were the results? Uh, most of the time, with that one on one or um, a coach with myself and a parent, uh, the parent is confronted like that. They're very apologetic and say, "Oh, it won't happen again." Um, but they do have to offer an apology to uh, the team and the coach. Never had to apologize to me because nobody ever really lashed out against me. What about it to an official? Would you require them to apologize to the official? Oh, very much so. Um, I But I probably would not let um, the official's name or any of his... Uh, information be put out where that parent would contact them it would have to be with me because of the ramifications of that or, or is this parent crazier than I think and uh, you know would go after an official so as we wrap things up today where do you see this the status of, of youth sports today what's your perspective of it what's good what's bad what do we need to take take from here to make it better for everybody i think i think youth sports is um the greatest thing going i think it's so so big of an area where kids can learn lessons in life and uh, apply what they're learning to different situations in their life if they're if they've lost a game um, how can i take that and say oh i got a bad score in math and not and not overreact on that and if it's um uh, later on in life, if I'm having trouble in my marriage, can I, can I think about what uh, positive experiences I had and try to apply that? Um, but the bad thing about youth sports um, are the adults around kids. And training for those adults, I think, is the key to future success. Is it because parents or adults, coaches, are trying to live their lives through these kids because they didn't get what they wanted when they were younger? Well, very much so. I, you know, I can go to a game and think, oh, my gosh, I hope that kid throws the touchdown or gets a hit and, and think about what joy that would bring me, not, not just the kid, but then you can't get so wrapped up in it that uh, you'd lose control. What's the message? I'm going to ask you three three messages here. The message to parents, the message to coaches, and the me- message to officials you would give as as someone in your role. Uh, the message to officials is uh, a thank you, and we need more officials. I know that it, some sports were getting close to games being canceled because we're losing officials. A lot of our officials are older and we need young people to go into that profession. Uh, and maybe it's not a profession, it's a sideline, but uh, what a great sideline is when you can go out there and interact with kids. Um, a message to coaches is uh, be positive. Um, if, you, if you need training to be positive, there are courses out there. Um, there are people out there that can deliver that message. And to, par- to parents, uh, cheer, uh, cheer positive. Well, Brad, you just hit it on the head. That's why I had you on the show today. As always, great comments, great information. I want to thank you for coming on. People want to reach you. How can they get a hold of you? 
people can always uh, get a hold of me through uh, email. Uh, that's bsweeten59 at gmail.com. Thanks so much for being here today. As always, you'll be on again, of course. I appreciate it very much. Thank you, Doctor. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. You can reach me several ways. My email is drj at winnersunlimited.com. Our shows are podcasted there at winnersunlimited.com. You can always get a hold of me in my office at 816-561-5556. Take care. Be safe. We'll talk to you next week. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. 